Hello, you're listening to Panam, a podcast about Paris, the people who've lived here, the events that have taken place and the traces they've left behind. In today's episode, let there be light. After all, Paris is the city of lights, though whether that moniker refers to the intellectuals that have studied here from medieval times, the enlightened thinkers of the 18th century, or simply the streetlights, there is some debate. Personally, I think that all of them add to her luminosity. But as with most things in Paris, the light obscures a dark past. So come with me as we head back to a different, darker Paris and discover her journey into the light. We're standing on the narrow Rue des Grands Augustins in the 6th arrondissement. It's a charming street and also has the unusual fame of being the place that, on the 16th of May 1610, poor little Louis XIII found out about the death of his father and so his own elevation to king. A rather elegant note cut into the stone reads, Here the young Louis XIII was enthroned one hour after the death of his father, Henry IV. Although the building is now a restaurant, long before it was the convent of the Grand Augustin, which occupied this whole neighbourhood and was home to a school which was popular with aristocrats in the 16th and 17th centuries, which is why, of course, young Louis was here. But we're not interested in monarchs today. Well, at least not this one. So let's continue just a step further along the street, uh, still at number eight, where we come to a tiny little niche cut into the stone. It's easily overlooked, but not by us. So now let us shed some light on what this little monument Paris's past represents. You see, it's one of the last remaining examples of the oil lights that were used in Paris. At night, lights used to be hoisted up into the air and strung across the street. When this system was first put into place, residents on the upper floors would help by lowering the rope down to the lamplighters when they approached and they would signal their approach by ringing bells. Now, this system was inefficient and Parisians turned out to be pretty unreliable and unhelpful. Imagine. Quickly, an alternative was found and a mechanism was created that enabled the lamplighters to lower the line by themselves and then hoist it back up again. This mechanism was protected in a little locked box, which was accessible only to them. And this niche is where that mechanism was kept. Um, And you can still see the traces of the line on the stone in the wall. Now, there's only a few spots left in Paris where these can be seen. And I don't know of many. Um, There's this one. And I know at Place de Vosges, you can still see where the holes used to be. They've been filled in, but you can still see those traces uh, on the walls. But uh, so if you know of any others, just uh, let me know. But when did this interest in light all begin? Let's delve into the history of lighting, which goes back quite a long way and does get a bit technical, so I will try to keep it as brief and uh, illuminating as possible. So already in medieval Paris, lighting was beginning to be thought of. In 1318, Philip V, the tall, that's one of our cursed kings, in case you're wondering, had a candle placed at the door of the Châtelet court, quote, in order to thwart the undertakings of criminals. Not sure how the candle did that, but great job, candle. 
Then at the end of the 14th century, a lantern at the Tour du Nel, which no longer exists, was used to indicate the entrance to Paris to the bargemen. Um, but pretty dark. Medieval Paris seems like a pretty dark place. Then in 1524 and 1558, decrees of the parliament required the citizens themselves to install, quote, burning torches in their windows. But this was at their own expense and it was not a great success. So Paris, again, remained pretty dark and a pretty dangerous place. In her book, City of Light, City of Poison, Holly Tucker describes Paris as the crime capital of the world. Be that the case or not, Paris was certainly dangerous after dark. Narrow, winding, filthy streets were themselves treacherous and dangerous. But needless to say, there were plenty of people who took advantage of the cover of dark to get up to no good with all sorts of illicit dealings. All this would change, however, during the reign of Louis XIV. Who else indeed would bring light to Paris other than the Sun King himself? I mean, it makes sense. It began, according to Tucker, after two embarrassing murders. I mean, embarrassing for Louis. I'm sure they were quite tragic for everyone else. In 1665, his criminal lieutenant, Jacques Tardieu, uh, he was responsible for sentencing criminals, was murdered in his own home by two burglars, brothers René and François Touché, who had, thinking that the aged magistrate was out, broken into his home and, while ransacking the place, found both Tardieu and his wife uh, to be, in fact, at home. They then brutally dispatched the pair and made off with their booty. They were caught and executed. Not long after this, but the feathers of the well-to-do were ruffled. I mean, if he wasn't safe, then really who was? Things only got worse a year later when Louis' civil lieutenant died, possibly due to poisoning, although that is another story. Anyway, these high-profile deaths and general unrest in the capital saw Louis create, on March the 15th, 1667, the position of Lieutenant General of Police, which is quite a momentous move in the beginning of the police uh, and, frankly, really fascinating. But um, we'll get into that another time, I think. Now, this lieutenant, his job would be to oversee city safety, which would include gun control, street cleaning, flood and fire control. Um, the man chosen for this daunting task was Nicolas de la Renier, a man with a strong moral code, tireless work ethic and a rather theatrical flair. He employed spies um, to give him all sorts of information and keep him informed of what was going on in Paris. And they would write in invisible ink and even went undercover in disguises using wigs and, I can only hope, false moustaches. Since he's fascinating, we could really spend some time on all that he did, but he surely merits his own episode. So let's just get on to his lighting policies. Le Renier wanted lanterns made of sturdy glass with multi-wick candles inside to be strung across the streets. And in a relatively speedy amount of time, 1,000 lanterns were indeed installed. An ornate rooster, the symbol of France, was painted onto each one. It was quite a step forward. Though a candle, no matter how big, strung across the street, I don't know how effective that really would have been. I mean... How much light does a candle really give? I mean, you put a candle on when you want it to be low lighting. Anyway, um, also, this being Paris, it became a rather favourite activity for children, possibly of the Gavroche persuasion and drunken revellers, to smash them. So, no surprises there. Le Renier retorted uh, with introducing fines for anyone caught doing this and decided to string the lanterns up higher. 
which possibly made them, if anything, less effective uh, in lighting the street below and even more fun to smash. Better than nothing, though. Nonetheless, by the end of his tenure, 2,736 lanterns filled the 912 streets of Paris. Not bad. Louis was much pleased and made a medal for Le Renier featuring a woman as an allegory of Paris holding one of his lanterns and inscribed with the words security and clarity. I've not been able to find an example of this medallion. I shall keep looking. Candles were later replaced with oil, which was better, although it did have some disadvantages of being smelly and smoky and a bit toxic. Um, However, in order to save time and money, the police often did not light them on nights with full moon or in summer. Remember, this is the lighting of the streets was the police's responsibility, and so they also needed to find the money for it. So there were times when it wasn't lit, but even when they were lit, candles or oil would burn out relatively quickly. So Paris was brighter, but not by much. An alternative was to hire a lantern man to walk you home, which is basically someone who has a sort of handheld lantern, like a torch, who would escort you home. And I've even read that on days with thick fog, you could actually hire a blind guide who would lead you through the perilous streets of Paris without the need of light whatsoever. Let's move forward then from the Sun King, who kicks all this off with his uh, bright light, to another period of light, the Enlightenment, to discover the next chapter in the story of Paris's illumination. In the 1770s, Antoine Lavoisier, a scientist who's most notable for his development of a theory of combustion that recognises the importance of oxygen in the air. His theory encouraged the development of lamps with better air supplies, for the flame meaning that they could burn brighter and for longer. And, according to Wikipedia, he also helped construct the metric system, wrote the first extensive list of elements and discovered that, although matter may change its form or shape, its mass always remains the same. What did he get for his trouble? Well, he was guillotined, of course. The Enlightenment coincides with the revolution. Since we're here at the revolution, let's just have a quick revolutionary aside. Now, while some lights were hung across the street, by this time others were attached to buildings and during the revolution they sometimes were used as gallows. A song was even composed which uh, by a contemporary called A Seira Seira, Les Aristocrates à la Lanterne. And the expression à la Lanterne became synonymous with uh, punishment and that's what people would say. Uh, We do not have the original, of course, because it was written in uh, 1789 or thereabouts. Um, But Edith Piaf has a great rendition, so let's have a little listen. Now, the lantern that they were originally talking about was not just any lantern, but rather a specific one called the Lantern of the King's Corner or the Lantern of the Greve. And it was situated above a chocolate shop on the 22nd of July 1789. Foulon de Douai, who had replaced Necker as the Ministry of Finance, and Berthier de Sauvigny, his son-in-law, who were much hated by the people, were the first people to be hanged there. Neither the object nor the place were chosen by chance. This lantern is, of course, a symbol of the police, and the one on Place de Greve was next to a bust of Louis XIV, monarchy, and, of course, on Place de Greve, where um, executions were traditionally carried out. 
let's leave the revolution and move forward. So time marches on and improvements in lantern technology continue and they did indeed get better, producing brighter light and less toxic fumes and burning for longer and all sorts of progress in oil lanterns was being made. But they were ultimately replaced by gaslight, which was adopted in the 1820s. But it's perhaps made most famous by another period of lightness, well, at least lightness of spirit, what we call the Belle Epoque. When Napoleon III renovated the city, destroying narrow streets and building the new Paris, his diligent prefect, Hausmann, oversaw the installation of approximately 20,000 gaslights throughout the city. His slogan was apparently, light before all else. Look at paintings of the artists of this time, the Impressionists, and they're often associated with daylight, with the changing subtle nature of sunshine. See Monet's series of Rouen Cathedral or Renoir, the Belle de la Moulin de la Galette, and other bucolic scenes. But artificial light is also important at this time. Degas paints the ballet at the opera, Lautrec, the Moulin Rouge. We can think of Manet or Mary Cassatt cafe culture, shopping and even intimate interior family scenes. Lighting, after all, did not only stay outside, but illuminated clubs, cafes and shops. It made nightlife possible. It also, of course, illuminated the workhouse and the atelier. And now labourers no longer went home at dark, but could stay on well into the night. And some of those workers were the brigade in charge of maintaining the lanterns. There was a whole group of them and it was a full-time job. They would spend the day cleaning the glass, which got very dirty because of the coal gas, and then at night they would light them. The last gas lanterns in Paris were eventually replaced by electricity in the mid-19th century. In comparison, it was bright, harsh and expensive, and it did take a while to replace the more beguiling gaslight. Apparently, the Place de la Concorde was lit by gas until 1946. If you would like to see a gaslight, there are none actually in Paris, but there is one, known as Lyon, in Malakoff. Malakoff is just off Line 13, it's a close suburb of Paris, and it's on a small street called Sentier du Tir. Maybe I will go and check it out for us. Um, and if you would like to throw yourself into the gas lamps of Paris and the darkness, then I think there is no better choice than Zola. Go with the belly of Paris, which, despite lamplight, remains a dark, noisy, dirty place. Because, of course, he's describing the market stalls, which start early in the morning, before the sun rises. That is it for now. We've taken a quick trip around Paris's lighting um, and I hope you've enjoyed it. I'll put up some pictures in the usual places on my website and Instagram and I'll include my sources. A couple of them I've mentioned. So there was the Holly Tucker's book, Paris, the City of Light, City of Poison. And I also really enjoyed a book by Caroline Prunel called How the Enlightenment Changed the Way We Use Our Senses. Um, check those out if you're interested. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review or tell a friend. Um, and I've also made it my mission this year to go and see all the museums in Paris that I've not yet been to. So if you're interested in coming with me, I think I'll try and put that up on Instagram. Uh, I went for the first time ever. I can't believe I've never been to the Archives Museum. And I actually had a guided tour and it was really good. So I would highly recommend that. Otherwise, take care of yourselves and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.